Hi, I'm Tefria Jemian. And I'm Hannah Bailey. And this is Yeah. This week we're talking about The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas, a book about a black teenage girl in today's America. We'll be talking about police brutality, racism, and what we can learn from this book as white readers. So yeah, so something that we have done in preparation for this episode is look for and read um, different perspectives on the book. So I have compiled uh, links to a few different reviews of the book by Black women, uh, and so I really encourage you to read those and to read other, to look for and read other reviews of this book by people who aren't white and because those opinions are more important than ours and it's yeah it's very important to to seek out those perspectives and to see what what people who maybe have experiences closer to Star's experience are saying about the book as well. That is not to say that white people can't get anything out of this book because I think we both got quite a lot out of this book we're about to talk about yeah and that's <laughs> part of why we decided to to do this podcast just the two of us mm-hmm. because we feel like there is a lot to get out of this book as a white reader mm-hmm. um yeah there's a ton um and it is i think it's a very valuable book for white people to read yes absolutely um, <laughs> I, I think it's just a very valuable book to read in general, but I think it's a very valuable book to read. Something that we were talking about before we recorded this episode is both of us would consider ourselves to be people who try very hard to be anti-racist mm-hmm. and both still found ourselves challenged by this book yeah. um, in really <laughs> productive and good ways yeah when you Um, when you are a white person you have all kinds of internalized racism that you do not necessarily recognize yes unless you listen when people of color point it out yeah (laughs) um and and it's really valuable to seek out experiences where people of color can point that out in you yes and star does a really good job of that and and the the process of unlearning that racism is a lifelong process and it's work that you need to do all the time and reading this book is one of the ways that you can do that work so yeah. <laughs> so read it yes uh we're talking ab- we're talking about the hate you give by angie thomas um today this book was published in february of 2017 um it's being made into a movie starring amanda stenberg um, Which is going to be rad. The movie's supposed to come out in 2018 sometime this year. Oh, wow. Uh, appara- that's what IMDb says. So that's awesome. So if you have other dates, let us know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I, I'm thrilled that yeah, it's getting turned fantastic. into a movie that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that I really was was noticing on a reread of this book, so the first time I read this book, I was just like, <gasps> Yes. That was incredible. Um, The second time I read this book, I I realized one of the things that really makes it amazing is that Angie Thomas um, really takes the classic young adult narrative, the classic young adult structure 
Um, and young adult fiction is traditionally an extremely <laughs> white genre. I think uh, one of the reviews that we've linked to says it's something like 20% of young adult novels actually have prominent characters, characters who are people of color. color. And it's something like 8% where the primary yeah, is a person of color. So I believe it. <laughs> it's that's those that's in in the stuff we've linked, which Hannah rounded up for us. Thank yeah. you. Um, welcome. But young adult, the yeah, the young adult genre is overwhelmingly white. And mm-hmm. Angie Thomas has written a classic young adult novel and placed it completely in um a black the black world the black community um Mm -hmm. yeah completely and unapologetically exactly yeah yeah and and uh we were we were talking about actually just just earlier about the Mm -hmm. how complicated it is to say it stays familiar because we say it stays familiar it stays relatable and then we go Mm -hmm. why is it that we decide that like like can't. white people get to dictate what's familiar, what's familiar. <laughs> yeah um problems <laughs> uh but it i mean what another one of the reviews we read says mm-hmm. is that um angie thomas creates uh images not caricatures yes. of the characters um Mm-hmm. the the all every single character in it is full and fleshed out and mm-hmm. grounded and human um yeah and that's very 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 wonderful um yeah yeah uh, <laughs> yeah something i'm this is something that i'm just putting to words now but i think something that's really interesting also but the way that star is as a narrator or the way that Andrew Thomas writes star as a narrator is that she both assumes that you understand her experience mm-hmm. and does a really good job of explaining her experience mm-hmm. um which I think is a it's a hard line to walk wet like well and not so that it comes across clunkily but I think mm-hmm. that it I think that Angie Thomas writes it so well um and I think maybe that's part of what makes it feel really accessible mm-hmm. um, as white readers mm-hmm. is that she, like, she, yeah, as a narrator, she she acts like you understand where she's coming from, mm-hmm. but she also makes it impossible for you not to understand yeah. where she's well, coming from, which, am, is, yeah. which is a difficult line to walk, and it's not something that that all books that deal with a marginalized experience I think do mm-hmm. which is something that makes this book really unique and really valuable mm-hmm. yeah I mean I think that's that's the importance when you're talking about writing when you think about showing versus telling yes um which is is something I mean if you're learning writing if you're in writing classes or something they just hammer home all the time um (laughs) but Angie Thomas is just a really brilliant writer and she's very very good at um just kind of embracing you into her character yes and and you just get it Mm -hmm. um so like quick synopsis of the book (laughs) this book follows uh star carter who is a 16 year old girl who lives in a um a neighborhood called garden heights it's not located in a state it's not located in a city 
Yeah, um, they don't ever say what city she's in, do they? No, no, they don't. And I think that's probably deliberate. very deliberate. Yeah. yeah, because it's kind of universal. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And um, Star is uh, with a friend who is a victim of police brutality. Um, and gets shot by a police officer in front of her for, you know, nothing but being yeah. black yeah. in America. Let's be real in Canada too. We're Canadian, so we like to act like like it's better. But like it's police not. brutality is is a horrible, horrible problem in Canada too. Yeah, and anywhere police Just... carry guns. <laughs> um, <sighs> uh, yeah. Yes. Anyway, so the the book follows sort of the fallout, um, Star's mm-hmm. life in the I think fifteen weeks after the incident. Yeah. Uh, through the grand jury indictment, um, mm-hmm. and and through her just normal life carrying on which i find yeah is and it also such yeah, a great part of the book it also deals because it, it deals with with all of the turmoil and conflict that's related to to the aftermath of this horrible horrible thing but uh but it also yeah deals with all of the other things that are happening in her life at mm-hmm. the same time mm-hmm. um so one of the other big threads is that she uh, she doesn't go to school in her neighborhood. She goes to school in a primarily white suburb that's about 45 minutes away. Her parents send her to a private school there, her and her two brothers. Um, and they started sending her there because, well, mostly because of an incident that happened when she was 10 where her other best friend was killed in a drive-by in front of her in their neighborhood. Yeah. And so she she lives and kind of walks this this double life she describes yeah. it as um and so that's a big theme throughout the book is her navigating those two worlds and her identity in those two worlds and mm-hmm. her friendships in her neighborhood and her friendships at her school mm-hmm. um which again i mean is something that we see in young adult fiction really really often all the and time. it's this beautiful uh, appropriation of that. Well, I don't want to use appropriation. That's a negatively coded word. Um, yeah. Reclamation. Yes. Of the genre. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, deals with family mm-hmm. uh, in really beautiful ways. I think we're going to talk about her family and how much yeah. we like her family. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and it's also like many young adult novels are. It's not, I don't know exactly a coming of age, but it's. I think coming of age applies. Yeah, it's a lot about her kind of finding her voice. Yeah. And um and and figuring herself out and yeah. figuring out um you know what she what she stands for mm-hmm. and 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 it's also about a lot of other characters doing that too, mm-hmm. which is really which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um I think one of the things that is really I mean, there are so many things that are beautiful about this <laughs> yeah. book, but uh, the secondary characters are really incredible. Yeah. Um, and the the arcs that they get to have as well are really incredible. Yeah, really powerful. Yeah. So, I mean, we see on the one hand, we see this teenager going through an experience that is unfortunately absolutely coded by race, absolutely mm-hmm. a race specific incident. Um, but we also see her having um these universal teenage experiences yeah of you know uh crushes and her first boyfriend and navigating her sexuality and 
I guess it's not her first boyfriend, but her first serious her boyfriend. Her first serious boyfriend, yeah. Um, navigating sexuality. Being annoyed uh, by her brothers. <laughs> being annoyed by her brothers. <laughs> learning how to assert herself to her parents in ways that are still... Uh, mm-hmm. Communicate the respect and the love she feels for them. Um, yeah. Growing out of a friendship. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I mean, and losing a friend, which, yeah. uh, you know, the way that she uses, that she loses her friend is coded by gender or by race, God. Yeah. Um, but, you know, grief is a universal experience. Yeah. And, and Angie Thomas writes grief beautifully. Yes. Um, what is not a universal experience is um, losing a friend in a massively unjust and civilly sanctioned way. Yes. <laughs> um, white kids, don't worry about that. No. Um, yeah, so maybe let's... Uh, we could we could sort of gush generally. I feel for a very long time. We could, yeah. But let's, uh, <laughs> let's get let's into some of specific. our specifics. Yeah. So we were talking a little bit about how um, the the characters are really really um, sympathetic, and yeah. uh, and that and very just three dimensional, very full. Yeah. Um, and they all something that's. I feel like often in young adult novels you get like the the main one or two characters get to grow and have arcs and interesting things happen and and often the other characters are kind of there to to facilitate that or to watch that happen but one of the things that's really really powerful I think is that you see a lot of people grow throughout the course of this book and a lot of people go through similar similar growth journeys to what stars going through yeah. in different ways yeah but um like nobody is really just like a background character there to yeah mm-hmm. to kind of exist i yeah. mean her eight-year-old brother doesn't have like a lot of fully fleshed story <laughs> arc but like i think that's mostly because he's, he's eight, eight. Um, <laughs> and with the adults you get their backstory yeah. you get their growth journeys yes um, and it's, it's incredible especially with star's parents who are mm-hmm. just wonderful They're awesome. people yeah. um one of the one of the secondary arcs that i like because she is a small character uh mm-hmm. is maya um, yes stars one of stars friends from mm-hmm. school so this mm-hmm. is star keeps her her what she calls her two lives very separate yes. uh, at the beginning of the book she keeps her private school friends and her neighborhood friends separate yeah. uh, and her friend maya is one of her private school friends uh, maya is chinese american and mm-hmm. uh as Star gradually opens up to Maya a little bit about how, how she's feeling, how she's coping, um, Maya, who has been always kind of a peacekeeper, always somebody who kind of just wants to smooth things over, starts mm-hmm. to acknowledge some of the microaggressions that she's experienced and yeah. uh, some of the oppression that she's experienced as a, as a person of color in America. Um, yeah, and there's a very there's a very powerful moment when when uh when star realizes that she's been complicit in some of that mm-hmm. um which is which is very it's very powerful yeah yeah i think i mean i think like yeah i liked that i liked that moment mm-hmm. um yeah but but it's also really clear that one of the reasons star 
has not been speaking up for Maya is yes. because Star experiences Doesn't feel so safe much too. more. Oh, yeah. yes. Yeah, absolutely. Star has learned absolutely. to keep her head down. Um, mm-hmm. You know, she talks about having this whole persona that she cultivates yes. at school that is... You know, she said mm-hmm. nothing that can be, I think she says nothing that could be called hood, nothing that could be called ghetto, nothing a rapper yeah. would say. Like, yes. Um, well, she, she constantly talks about the labels that will get put on her if she says certain things. Exactly. Um, so she's like, I can't be the angry black girl. Yeah. I can't be, I think mean, sassy black girl is maybe referenced yeah. at certain times yeah. as well. Um, um yeah. One of the things that that kind of brought up for me is that I think culturally um, we have a really, we have a tendency to say there is a right kind of black person. Yes. Um, and this is something I think that white people really have to confront and consider. Mm-hmm. Um, you yep. know, we have to be a million times more educated (laughs) than white people have to be to earn respect have to be a million Mm -hmm. times more careful about how you speak and how you dress and Mm -hmm. how you react um and I was thinking a lot one of the things that comes up sort of subtly in the book is contrast between uh Dr. Martin Luther King and Malcolm X um Mm -hmm. And that even in some of the older generations in Star's Neighborhood, even from some of the older black uh, men in the community, there's this attitude that if you are somebody who follows Malcolm X, if you're somebody who believes in direct action rather than um, civil disobedience, um, you're you're somehow bad. You're somehow asking for what yes. you get. Um, and... I mean, that's something we have absolutely seen in the last 10 years, like, mm-hmm. in full force with white people being mad when black people protest uh, in yeah. any way that that shows anger. Yeah. In any way that shows anything more mm-hmm. than just, like, dejection. Yeah, you need, <laughs> um, yeah, you need to be the perfect victim or else it's your fault. Exactly, kind of thing. exactly. And that's, yeah. like that's convicting (laughs) that should be convicting that that's something that like we need to examine in ourselves a lot like I mean we see it like in simple things like like fashion cultural appropriation you know like yes Kylie Jenner can wear a grill and cornrows how do you react if you see a young black girl on the metro wearing right. grill and cornrows? Like, yes. And <laughs> Star has a really good quote about that. I don't have it specifically written down, but she says something about, like, the white kids in her school can use slang and it's fine. Yeah. That makes them cool. It's going to make her hood if she says it, so she can't. Yeah. Yeah, I think you did have it. Yeah, you um, have it. I, have, I have a different quote, which was also really good, <laughs> um, which is from page 13, where Star Flex, funny how it works with white kids, though. It's dope to be black until it's hard to be black, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which I think is just a very astute comment on cultural appropriation. Yeah. And I mean, like, while we're while we're talking about appropriation, uh, you have even this experience she has before she's come out as being the witness to yes. Khalil's death. Um, the kids at her school, at her very white, very wealthy Ooh. private school, mm-hmm. organize a walkout protest. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are all saying, like, yeah, it's a perfect opportunity to get out of class. As an excuse to skip school. And, yeah. and uh, Star doesn't participate 
because one of her friends, Haley, who I think we're going to talk about quite a lot. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> says, like, of course, it's kind of like whack that we're protesting the death of a drug, drug dealer. Yeah. Which, like. <sighs> yeah. Um, yeah. Which one of the ideas that comes up a lot is that you can somehow mm-hmm. deserve to be murdered without trial by a police officer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot of really good reflection in the book on how it during the whole legal process it feels like Khalil is the one on trial, yeah. not the officer yeah. who killed him. Yeah. Um and related to what you were talking to uh, a little bit ago about the the how this this book confronts a lot like the model of like you have to be a good black person mm-hmm. um there's also a really interesting arc where where star has to kind of confront her own inherent biases around that as well yeah. um with because she has a lot of a lot of conflict uh internally because because it does come out that probably Khalil was selling drugs um, and mm-hmm. she has a lot of kind of anger with him about that yeah um and and a lot of I think internalized prejudice about that yeah. and feels like he shouldn't have been doing that mm-hmm. um and then she has a really good conversation with uh, another minor character Devante later in the book um that kind of changes a lot of her perspectives um and and i think takes away a lot of or disabuses her of the notion that that everyone has a choice yeah um yeah. and and kind of really complicates her ideas of how easy it is to say no mm-hmm. to to that kind of life mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and and i think that is is really powerful as well yeah. and really really important for for star but also for for readers to kind of yeah to see that as well yeah. that it's it's a lot less black and white than we want it to be yeah yeah um i do like that uh in the book it is never it is hinted at but never absolutely confirmed nobody knows if khalil actually ever sold drugs yeah like they know that khalil was being pressured to sell drugs they know that one of the gang like lords had hired or tried to hire him Mm -hmm. but there's no like there's no confirmed transaction there's no No. confirmed dealing um there's there's a guy who was trying who was financially tight who was trying to figure things out who was maybe did and maybe didn't um and that is enough for so Many, many people the media the jury like to to jump on it yeah to say like well he deserved to be shot because yeah. because maybe he sold some weed yeah sold some weed like <sighs> yeah um i mean which is like a whole nother i know we're not doing cultural commentary as such but <laughs> you know when brock turner was on trial for a sexual assault nobody was talking about how much coke he'd done at parties uh when trayvon martin was shot in cold blood by not even a cop um you can bet that people, people were. were saying like well he may have been smoking weed yeah <laughs> so like yeah yeah 
Um, I found we were talking before about her feeling like uh, Khalil was on trial for his own murder. And I I remembered that I had a quote written down Mm. uh, that she says when she's being interviewed by the detective. And she says, I didn't know a dead person could be charged with his own murder. Um, Yes. That's on page 288 of the hardcover. Uh, Um, Very powerful. Yeah. Uh, But, but, you know, it's what? We it's see. what it's what we see all the time. All the time. Uh, um, Tamir Rice, twelve-year-old boy, gets shot in the park. Yeah, and it's well, he was playing with a toy gun. Mm-hmm. Like that's a threat. Yeah, to society. Yeah, yeah. So there are so many characters that that are really wonderful, and we've been talking a lot about the mm-hmm. positive ones. Um, should we spend some time on Haley? I think we should spend some time on Haley. Yeah, she's, she's important. Yes. Um, yeah. So Haley is uh, starts out the novel at least as being one of one of Star's two best friends at her school, mm-hmm. um, and Haley is basically the picture of white feminism. Mm-hmm. Um, so Haley is someone that Star has been friends with since she started at that school since she was 10 um but lately Haley has been becoming increasingly problematic and increasingly and hostile increasingly and, yeah. hostile and over the course of the novel you just see her being completely unwilling to even try to understand Star's experience um and she is a master at taking um any time when star is trying to express that Haley might have done something wrong or hurtful and just turning it back mm-hmm. um so there's a there's a moment when uh Haley says something that star feels was racist which i mean it objectively was yes um, <laughs> it's not just star felt it was an objectively racist objectively comment. it was a racist comment um it's it's debatable whether or not Haley meant it to be but objectively it was one um and and so star confronts her mm-hmm. and Haley does the typical white feminist move of acting like being accused of saying something racist is far worse than actually saying something racist yeah one of the other things about Haley that that comes up a lot one of her Mm -hmm. uh, defining characteristics is that she is like an activist like she thinks of herself as an activist she has causes and she you know makes a big deal about being feminist and going on feminist rants going on feminist rants and girl power and you know all the shit that white feminists really really like to do yes um but when it comes to protesting police brutality she's the one who says it's kind of messed up that we're protesting a drug dealer's death and she's the one who's sympathizing with the police officer um, yes and saying like oh man this has affected his family so much mm-hmm. you know um and that's after she knows that it yeah that's after she knows star, that you. it was stars uh, yeah and when she finds out that um because star doesn't tell her friends that she was the witness or even that she um that she knew the victim yeah um and so when Haley finds out, her reaction is to be mad at Star for lying. Yeah. Not to 
be like, oh, wow, this must be awful. Yeah. Maybe you want some privacy. Yeah. Maybe you um, don't want all these confused white kids, you know, asking you to educate them about um, black experience. Yeah. Yeah. Her reaction is to demand an apology for being lied to. Yeah. Um, uh, kind of significantly, one of the things that happened. So Star, who usually tries very hard to keep her two worlds separate, mm-hmm. the one place that she's kind of combined them and been been open about both things is uh, on Tumblr. She has a Tumblr account. Yes. And uh, she had begun to share over the year before this uh the book happens Mm -hmm. she had been beginning to share more um political civil rights things yeah um including a photo of Emmett Till and his casket um Emmett Till is Mm -hmm. a a 14 year old boy who famously was beaten to death in 1955 um so badly that he was unrecognizable um Mm -hmm. and Haley is upset that Star would share something so unpleasant yeah, and unfollows Star on Tumblr. And that's sort of the, the beginning of the end yeah, um, for Star because she realizes, you know, I mean, Haley is all the reasons that Star has tried to keep her two lives separate. Yeah. Um, and sort of if, if Haley can't turn it into something she can mm-hmm. uh, profit from. <laughs> Then she's then not she's not interested, interested and yeah. she and she wants to silence mm-hmm. the experience at whatever cost. Yeah, um, yeah, she's not interested in uh, in that part of Star's life at all. Yeah, yeah, especially not because it, it challenges her image of herself. Yes, which I think is is a big problem in white feminism. I say as yeah. a white feminist, yeah. <laughs> um, that you know, I mean just suggest to somebody on at some point that the women's march on washington is maybe a bit cisnormative and exclusionary of trans people and uh see what happens yeah (laughs) um try to suggest that the women's march on washington is a little white and not too super inclusive and see See what what happens happens. uh yes um yeah Oh, I'm very, I, I'm, I'm very, very, very close to going on a rant about how feminism that doesn't challenge the capitalist state is 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 not real. It's a big old problem. Yeah, 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 yeah. If it's not liberation for everyone. It's not yep. liberation at all. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, and police should not be carrying guns. If you want gun control, you have to disarm the police. Also, yes. yes. <laughs> Hi, I'm Tristan Damour. You might know me from the Scrum Podcast. Hi, I'm Harrison Mulo Jason. You might know me from, uh, anyway. So we're here to tell you about a new podcast miniseries called Hebemus Pod. It's a show about HBO's The Young Pope. Every episode, we'll feature a guest viewer to talk about an episode. Will they have a fresh perspective on the show? Two years after it aired? We sure hope so. It's very simple. We talk about three things. A highlight, a low light, and the very famous Cherry Coke Zero character of the episode. Yes, yes. Uh, and we hope you tune in right here on the Upfront Network. I'm Julian McKenzie, co-host of the Scrum Podcast, a sports show I'm doing with my podcasting partner in crime, Tristan Damore, on the Upford Network. 
Every week, we analyze something different from the Canadian sports media landscape. Lack of diversity, getting a job in the field, coverage of different sports, and answering some of the harder questions. Through a combination of back-and-forth discussion and high-profile guest interviews, we're aiming to figure out exactly what's up in the world of sports. Find us wherever podcasts are sold. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, SoundCloud, Message in a Bottle, Morse Code, Telegram, Singing Telegram, Target, Walgreens, Bird's Nest, Dad's Shed, uh, and a crowded convention center bathroom. Do we want to talk um, about Star's Delightful Family? Yeah, that let's we talk about Star's Delightful and Family. think are wonderful? Yes. Um, so, Star's, Star's Family is wonderful. Um, and... <laughs> I think one of the things that I really love about this, I think that we talked about it a little bit um, in our Google Doc, uh, is that it's rare in young adult literature that you see like a really solid, loving parent relationship that the kid appreciates also. Yeah. Um, Like that is super rare. It's also super rare to see, I think some of the reviews that I like talk about this, child parent relationships that are so healthy yeah like star has conflict with her parents Mm -hmm. sure but she like deeply respects them Mm -hmm. and like there's a recurring theme in the book of how supported she feels by them yeah uh which is i'm trying to remember if i wrote down quotes because there are a few times where um where she where she talks about just like how like like the kind of unspoken ways that she knows that her parents care about her mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and uh, i have a page reference but i didn't write down the quote <laughs> bad idea Hannah. yeah um yeah so her her relationship with both her parents is just really really beautiful and their relationship with each other is really like again like they have conflict yeah but they're just like very loving very caring mm-hmm. there's one point mm-hmm. where she refers to them as her otp yeah and it's adorable that's, that's sorry that's a one true pairing yes yeah okay so this is like a i'm not hip to tumblr <laughs> <laughs> oh i'm way more in the fan fiction world than you are i know um, so this is for for all of you who aren't aren't up in the 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 online fandom life um, Te- teenagers still use tumblr right i think so Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, Star but uses it's Tumblr. not only on Tumblr. It's in, like, I, I think maybe it originated on Tumblr. Anyways, okay. OTP anyway. <laughs> means one true pairing, which is basically something that people in the, like, fandom world use to, to call, like, their, yeah. their, like, fictional couple that they're, like, yes, they're the best. So, like, if you believe Draco um, and Harry really should have ended up together, then Drary is your it's OTP. Your OTP. Um, okay. Except for Wolfstar is the better OTP. Um, Which one? What is? Remus and Sirius. If you're going for slash Harry Potter pairings. (laughs) I have feelings about Remus and Sirius, but this is off topic. Yeah, well, we can get into Harry Potter, actually, because Harry Potter is relevant to this book. Uh, Remus and Sirius, really? I feel like I thought we talked about this before. 
Maybe we did. It it rings a bell, but I um yeah. anyway. Anyways, I we can talk about my Harry Potter feelings later. This actually relate we can talk about Harry Potter sometime. Um <laughs> this relates to uh oh. to, to Star's parents actually because yes. one of the things I love is that her parents have opinions on Harry Potter. Yes, her parents it's great. her parents are like up on Harry Potter. Her they mom are. loves Harry Potter, her dad thinks it's stupid that nobody just put a bullet in Voldemort. Yes. Um yes. which like <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, Horcruxes, but yes. Put a bullet in each Horcrux. <laughs> and, and, um, and Maverick also, we, we were talking a little bit about how, um, mm-hmm. uh, we talked about, uh, how this book takes the young adult genre and, mm-hmm. genre and t- like, like reclaims it for the black community. Yes. Um, and Maverick has this whole theory about Harry Potter that takes Harry Potter and reclaims it yes. for the black community, yeah, it's great. It's great. Uh, which is really beautiful. Yeah. Um, he has this this uh, theory about Harry Potter is really about gangs, and yes. um, it's it's like the brilliant. Hogwarts houses are each gangs. Yeah, yeah. it's it's yeah. brilliant. It's oh, yeah. very on the nose, and um, mm-hmm. and I think it's really beautiful work of a father relating. seeing something his 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 children are very excited about, relating to it, and also helping them relate to it more. Yes. helping translate it into their world. Yes. Um, which is just, I mean, her father is wonderful, and a lot of a lot of the reviews we've linked to have pointed out that um, the myth of the absent black father is so pervasive yes. in our community, in our in our world, um, and good black fathers are so often overlooked, mm-hmm. but there are so many. <laughs> um, yes, and and Maverick is somebody who is completely devoted to his family obviously completely Mm -hmm. devoted to his family um yeah has had obstacles has had setbacks has not let any well anything Mm -hmm. get in the way of him being there for his family yes uh and it's clear that his children are you know his Mm -hmm. his great love um and he's he is just yeah, completely dedicated to his wife and to his kids, and it's wonderful. Yeah. Um. And one of the things I really love about him is that he is a gardener. Yes. Um, yeah, it's really sweet. He's, he has a grocery store, which, mm-hmm. again, one of the reviews that we've linked to points out, otherwise that neighborhood would be a food desert. Yes. Um, which are very real things. Look them up. <laughs> they mm-hmm. happen often. Yes. I have spent some time in one. Like, yeah. they exist. They are real. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I chose to spend that time there, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because I am privileged. Um, but he has this grocery store. He feeds the neighborhood, and mm-hmm. he grows some of what he sells in his store in his garden. Like he's mm-hmm. a a nurturing person. Yes. He has his roses that he raises just yes. for the joy of and raising roses and talks to and yeah, it's, it's just uh, beautiful and endearing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, we were talking about the idea of the the right kind of black person. That's in mm-hmm. air quotes. Yeah. Um, he is also uh, devoted to Malcolm X and mm-hmm. to you know non cooperation with oppressive systems yeah. and. Uh, he is angry <laughs> yeah. for what the police have done to his community, and, and rightly so. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that Thomas, Andrew Thomas created this character who is uh, the present loving black father um, who is also 
you know, not what the powers that be deem the right kind of black person. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, it's also important to note, I don't think we've mentioned that he he also is an ex-gang member who spent some time in jail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that's just really, really good. Yeah. Um, I think we need to, <laughs> to wrap it up soon, actually. Oh, yes. uh, but let's, should we spend a minute and talk about, is there Carlos or about... Um, yeah, there's so much. Uh, there's, so, there's so much. And really just like... Man, read this book. Yes. Um, um, come to it openly. Yeah. Um, <sighs> mm-hmm. And be ready to get angry about injustice and, like, don't be uncomfortable about that. Yeah. Um, and, and be ready to listen to what Star is saying and be mm-hmm. aware that she might be talking to you. Yep. Um, and calling you out for things. Yep. And say, okay. I'm going to try and be better. And the next time you see the media saying that somebody deserves to get shot by the police, unless they were like actively murdering somebody, uh, don't believe it because it's probably bullshit and it's probably racist bullshit. Almost certainly. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah. Oh, 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 no, but let's let I do. I do want to talk about the title of the book. Oh, yes. I do want to talk about the Tupac reference. Yeah, um, go for it. <laughs> now, <laughs> way out of my depth here. I, I don't listen to Tupac. It's one of those people that I've always known that I should <laughs> um, culturally, but I don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this was new to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's something I think like white people especially need to know is that thug life. So the hate you give is a, is mm-hmm. a um, acronym uh yeah what, acronym. what it's called yeah for for thug thug life which is tupac had this um thing mm-hmm. that he said which is thug life stands for the hate you give little infants uh fucks everybody mm-hmm. and um there's a wonderful uh part in the book where star's father explains to her what that means and yeah, well it's actually it's khalil who explains it to her first khalil explains it to her right, first yes right before yeah, he gets right shot before he gets shot they're talking about it in the car yeah and then um and then uh her father sort of explains it more thoroughly um about mm-hmm. how the system fucks over people of color and poor people and yeah. punishes addicts and poor dealers, but not the big money that flies the drugs in, in yeah. the first place. Yeah. And uh, um, that's not what white people think of when we hear thug life. No. <laughs> um, and that's an important reference to be aware of. Yes. That I think a lot of the time... When we talk about the, again, air quotes, wrong kind of black person, Mm -hmm. we are thinking about people we'd call thugs. Yeah. And we're making a lot of assumptions about that. And uh, you need to, like, sit down and think a minute. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Pay attention to the systems that are in place. Learn. Educate yourself. Don't ask a black person to educate you. Educate yourself. About yes. systemic racism, about histories of oppression. The internet is um, good. Uh, there's this wonderful yeah. contrast in the book between the police officer who shoots Khalil. 
Mm-hmm. Who says like he became a police officer because he wanted to help the people in that yeah. community in a very white mm-hmm. savior attitude? Yes. To which Star responds like, I mean, not directly to the police officer, but, <laughs> but in, her in her head, head like, yeah. okay, slave owners also thought they were helping their slaves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Same thing, different century. Exactly, yeah. and and then there's her uncle who is a police officer who is from the neighborhood, yeah, grew up there, who you know, genuinely became a police officer because he wants to help the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, but who is not a white person coming in and going, I'm yeah. going to shoot all the black people who don't look like the right kind of black person. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, we may, it, it may be apparent in the way we've been talking about this. This is a challenging book. Yeah. Um, to read as a white person, but it is challenging in all the best ways. Yes. Um, and mm-hmm. yeah, as always, this is always the case when we talk about a book that is outside of our expertise, outside mm-hmm. of our experience. If you're a person of color and we got something wrong here, please tell us. Please tell us. Yes. Please tell us. We want to know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we we want to learn. We want to be able to apologize where we fuck up. Yep. <laughs> yes, please. But yeah, this is the Hate You Give by Angie Thomas. It's uh. Very, very, very good. good. If you have not read it, read it. Yeah. Do it. Do it. Uh, read the reviews yeah. that are written by people of color. Mm-hmm. Um, find interviews with Angie Thomas. Yes. Buy the book. Give your money to authors. Mm-hmm. And go see yeah. the movie when it comes out. Yeah, definitely. You know, we will. We will do that. Yep. Thanks for listening to Yeah. Uh, Next week, we're going to be reading Just Listen by Sarah Dessen. If you want to leave feedback, suggest a book for us to read, or just say hi, send us an email at yapodcast at gmail.com or tweet at us. Uh, The podcast is on Twitter at yapodcast, and the two of us are on Twitter. Uh, Teffer is at tefferbear, and I'm at thebalesosaurus. That's those will both be linked in the show notes because mine is hard to spell. Um, you can also support us for free by leaving a rating and review on Stitcher or Apple Podcast, and by sharing this episode with a friend. Special thanks to Great Bear for letting us use their song Jenny's Groove as our theme music. You can find their music for sale at greatbearmusic.bandcamp.com. This episode was produced and edited by Tom Zalatni. As part of the Upford Network, you can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com. I'm Tom Zalatni, host and producer of Up for Discussion, a long-running comedy podcast on the Upford Network. Every week, me and my team of hilarious improvisers use audience-submitted questions to dive deep and delicious into every topic under the sun. Nothing is off limits. The audience has full control. It's like going to an improv show, only it's in your ears, and nobody's asking to see a scene about sex toys. Hopefully. One reviewer called it an underappreciated cult classic. Another reviewer called it not a very compelling product. Go check it out and see for yourself. The Up for Discussion podcast. Available wherever fine podcasts are sold. Topics of High Importance, a podcast where we get high and explore food, science, gaming, pop culture, and beyond. Filled with super tangents, 
forgetful flubs, and that awkward kind of tension that can only be produced by a married couple. Topics of high importance on the Upford Network. Join us, won't you?